This is the Full Funnel B2B Marketing Podcast, brought to you by FullFunnel.io. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, uh, today is uh, Thursday afternoon in Europe, morning in the North America, which means it's time for a new Full Funnel Live episode. And today, as promised, we are going to talk about ABM planning, ABM budgeting, ABM forecasting. Funny enough, I saw one question from Tanvi when she was signing up for for the session. Uh, can we can we nail down all these definitions in ABM? So probably probably we can cover this as well. And in a few seconds, uh, I expect uh, my co-host Davis Potter uh, from Forge X. Uh, one of my fellow ABMers joined me to co-host today's episode and while he is joining us. Uh, let me know, guys, where you all join us from. Type in the chat, please. Curious to see where you're all tuning in. Baltimore, Ireland, Boston. Good morning from St. Louis. Good morning. Finland. Nice. Good to see you, guys. And as for today's agenda, uh just to give you an idea what we are going to cover today and yeah here we go davis joined me uh Amy from toronto great to see you so uh coming back to today's agenda we have quite a lot of questions to cover but all these questions would be around <clears throat> our core topic abm planning for 2024 i've i have had multiple conversations with uh, my uh, peers, with B2B marketers, with VP of marketing. And a lot of people mentioned that they want to launch or at least try account-based marketing in 2024. And I believe that uh, the biggest value of today's conversation would be highlighting the right approaches and also highlight and a few pitfalls that you need to consider to avoid the most common mistakes when it comes to ABM planning. And probably one of them we can, we can immediately share with you guys, it's all about thinking that to launch account-based marketing in 2024, you need at least 50K to purchase ABM software and then run programmatic display ads and the outbound sales cadences. This is not account-based marketing. So uh, today we want to cover uh, approaches to ABM planning, uh, approaches to ABM budgeting and forecasting because it's all it all sounds funny and the definition, right? ABM is a hot term. A lot of people talk about it, but when it comes to real orchestration and real budgeting and forecasting, here is the, the real fun starts, right? Here is a lot of, uh, it, it's exactly the place where a lot of our, of our peers um, face the challenges. That being said, I think uh, we can kick it off. Uh, Davis, thanks for jumping in and thanks for hosting this episode with me. So what should we cover first? Andre, what's going on? Thanks so much for having me. Um, this is a really hot topic and I think we can get into, into some very interesting questions. And the first one, maybe we kick this off with planning ABM in 2024. What are some of your initial thoughts around, you know, 
almost what are our viewers or what someone who has a program or is just launching a program should be thinking about? Uh, I think, first of all, we need to split the ABM planning into two layers. The first one is all about ABM strategy, right? You need to have the strategy and ABM fundamentals in place. And we can talk about this. And then the actual planning. Uh, the planning means what exact programs we are going to launch, right? How many accounts we are going to add to these programs, right? Tier allocation, how many tier one accounts, tier two, tier three accounts we are going to add to these programs and how are we going to split uh, or let's say do the goal decomposition between four motions? Because I don't know why, but traditionally when we talk about account-based marketing, everybody thinks about new logos, right? Net new revenue campaigns. But in reality, you have three other motions. You have expansion, you have pipeline acceleration, and you have uh, renewal, right? And you need to holistically think about this. So that being said, I think we can kick it off with um, ABM strategy. And I would quickly share my screen to, um, I prepared a few uh diagrams to explain it uh let me know guys if you can see my screen uh okay good so when it comes to account-based marketing strategy uh we have um basically eight core layers uh goals team setup ideal customer profile stack account list building personalization warm-up and activation and metrics, right? These are the fundamentals that we need to nail down before considering anything else. And goals we partially discussed, right? We have four motions. Whenever you do whenever you do planning, right? And how you can uh, do the goal, uh, how you can think about planning these motions, right? Typical example, you have revenue goal. Whatever, let's pick up uh, just simple example. Let's say your revenue target is 10 million, right? Could be whatever, right? Uh, just to simplify the calculations here. Let's say your current revenue is, uh, let's say, 7 million, right? And then you need to grow by 3 million. How are you going to do this, right? Immediate answer would be we need to generate 3 million in new logos. But in reality, you can do, again, as I'm saying, you need to do expansion, you need to do pipeline acceleration because you already have deals in pipeline, right? And the most important thing, you need to do renewal. Imagine if your two key accounts would cancel the contract, right? Then you need to recompensate that revenue because otherwise how you're going to hit your quota a lot of companies don't think that way so you need to think about uh this approach holistically right and then you do the composition okay we need to do renewal for at least seven million or let's say six millions right in renewal then one million would go for new logos one and a half for pipeline acceleration and one and a half for expansion right and that way you get a holistic overview right now where this where this number should come from you need to have a report that covers this and you need to know your win rates you need to know your acvs right for these motions when you do the expansion what is a typical um, 
let's say expansion value that you can expect among different tiers right what is your expansion uh, let's say success ratio how many deals you can actively expand during the year right these are the most important things to consider the same for new logos the same for pipeline acceleration and that would be the first essential step in uh, your abm strategy planning would you add something there is I love the different steps that you have here. I'm mapping it back to some of the ways we view this. The first one on the goals. What's interesting is you've got all of these organizations running almost two different flavors of ABM. So you've got growth ABM, which is where you are on the hook to cover 50, maybe 100, hundreds, if not thousands of organizations. So you'll do that tiered process and Andre I, th I think you and Vlad are probably the most well versed within the growth ABM space but then you've also got enterprise ABM which is where you're running that pure one-to-one -one or one-to-few motion where one-to-few is 25 accounts or less in a cluster and in the enterprise ABM it's 9, 12, 18 months long for that campaign overall duration and you know they've got full tactical eligibility full personalization and it's a, a campaign that is complete for that one account if it's in one-to-one -one. whereas on the growth abm side you've got your tier one which has full tactical eligibility strong personalization the greatest majority of uh, you know, your most strategic accounts. So you have less accounts in tier one. Then you've got tier two, which is almost a medium amount of accounts. They get slightly less tactical eligibility. They get uh, lighter personalization. And then tier three is almost your scale tactics, scaled personalization, and all of the remaining accounts falling within that, that specific tier. Uh, and it's interesting to see, you know, what flavor your organization is thinking about or what you're going to initially run. For example, if you're going to do an enterprise ABM campaign, you have to have a pretty significant ACV for it to make sense to do a pure one-to-one. -one. And on the enterprise ABM side, you'll see a lot of orgs find success with the expansion plays it fits really nicely when you can go map out the buying groups a lot faster within orgs that are already existing customers and then on the growth abm this is usually where you'll see smaller organizations start because uh you know you have to cover more than just one account or a, a cluster of 25 accounts or less and then also growth abm is where a lot of orgs will kick off their net new. So you'll be going after, you know, net new organizations and expansion in 2024 on the growth ABM side, I think is really going to uh, make a splash and have already heard a lot of conversations from companies who are looking at it in that regard. And I think, you know, what is really interesting here, um, a lot of companies, let's say a lot of B2B marketers uh, take these numbers 
of how many accounts should be added to a specific motion by default that are coming from ABM vendors. Let's say probably everybody uh, had eBooks produced by demand-based, by six cents, by terminals, and we have the standard definitions. Let's say tier one, you might have 10 accounts, right? Tier two cluster 25 to maximum 100. But the point is, the, the key, or let's say the key point here is not taking these numbers by default, but look at your team capacity. What's the point of, let's say, adding 100 accounts and putting 100 accounts into a program if you have just one marketer that can uh, allocate only 10 or 15% of his or her time to run and maintain the program? And then there is another problem. Let's say you have an account executive or SDR who would be a part of that ABM team, and that person is also uh, can allocate maximum 10% of their time, right? Then like your planning, if you just start injecting these defaults into your program, it's already, it is already broken, right? It makes no sense. So I believe the key point here is starting with that goal decomposition with this historical cross analysis between tiers, between motions, understanding where you have success rate. Because let's say a uh, typical example that we are seeing this year, and uh, this kind of good, uh, good trend probably uh, that we have, um, not just with our customers. There are a lot of companies that were selling to SMB segment, right? And they are they basically leverage product-led growth. And now, because they feel that growth stagnated, right? The market is saturated, they want to go enterprise. But they don't really have enterprise experience. They don't have a lot of enterprise insights. So in that case, should they go all in and add a lot of tier one accounts to the program and just focus on all of them? Yes or no? It's a very complicated question, right? <laughs> Gary, I, I love this PLG motion. I have a really strong opinion on this because the difference between PLG and actually selling enterprise deals is massive. And you'll... Even looking underneath the hood of some of the companies who are doing PLG at the highest levels, when you go in and see what their programs truly look like, PLG, and this is, if you have a PLG motion and, and you're listening, let me know if this resonates with you and, and what you're seeing, because I would guarantee when you look at the people who are coming in from your PLG motion, it is lower seniority contacts and how I almost see PLG is it's a way to gather internal champions in internal intelligence around who the core players of the buying group are and that will help to get your enterprise deals. So it's not necessarily should you go all in on PLG because PLG is going to bring enterprise deals, but more or less PLG is a tool to get the enterprise deals because it will help you to uncover who you should be targeting within your actual ABM motion 
which is uh, almost the core key to the or uh, almost the most important piece of this right it's like how how do we see who we should be engaging from our go-to-market standpoint in order to win that enterprise deal and plg is the intelligence to get there and that's really essential part where i was uh heading with this if let's say if you had a plg motion but you never really had an enterprise motion right you need to have a completely different skill set but now if you are going all in for tier one enterprise new revenue campaign you need to keep in mind you don't have any playbooks right you probably don't have skill sets to do to to implement this program right there would be a lot of hypothesis and a lot of let's say abm experiments that you need to validate and before uh, before trying the new revenue campaign, the easiest way would be exactly what you have mentioned, identifying that maybe you don't have enterprise accounts in a sense what we think about enterprise accounts, but you have companies, you have current customers from PLG Motion with an expansion potential. Simple example, let's say you sell to IT team and you know that uh, there is specific client that purchased rental licenses of your product but the IT team is 200 people, right? So you only have 10% of valid share, right? What can you do to expand that opportunity and basically sell 180 more licenses? Obviously, I'm a little bit exaggerating here, but you got the point, right? How can we sell more to the same organization? And that would be your first step in planning account-based marketing, first step in doing expansion campaigns instead of think okay so now i need to find the best practices and okay so the best practices uh say that i need to include uh, let's say 10 tier one accounts and then i would just go all in the new revenue growth so there are a lot of things that you need to consider and that's why i believe you need to holistically look at where you are what is your current clientele right and how you can start from that point and probably the lowest hanging fruit for all companies that are planning uh, that are planning 2024 would be expansion right starting from that point from that playbook and pipeline acceleration the best part is that for these two motions you don't need any upgrades in your stack right all you need is your crm all you need or data from your erp and conversation and joint planning with your sales team right planning the specific playbook or playbooks okay what we can do to and renewal by by the way is basically you need to do the same right what can we do to renew the contracts with this uh, key accounts what can we do to upsell these accounts and what can we do to activate the existing pipeline right this would be three lowest hanging fruits and then you can basically break down what i call uh the goal decomposition you can start allocating the revenue targets between these motions and then it would it will become way easier for you to kind of understand okay how many accounts we can include according to my team capacity right and here you can see the uh second block with the typical skill set 
I'm not saying that this should be exact six people that you need to have an ABM team because in most cases you might not have these resources, right? But this is the skill set that you need to have in your team. And for the pilot programs, usually all you need is just one marketer and one sales rep who can uh, maintain these programs. Uh, good. Uh, any questions so far, guys? Let us know in the chat. Uh, type plus if that was clear. Type minus if you have some questions. <laughs> and feel free to share your questions. Would love to cover. Um, so then we have uh, basically coming back to new revenue, right? That's kind of the tricky part. If uh, you have, let's say, uh, let's come back to, to our example. Uh, we have uh, 1 million, let's say, that we want to generate through new revenue programs. What should be our approach to kind of to, to plan our programs? How are we going to answer the question? How many accounts do we need to have uh, for that to, to hit that specific target? What do you think there? For this, yeah, and that's a great question. I think when it comes to the number of accounts within the program, you almost have to look back at, you know, if you need to generate a million in revenue, what from a ACV standpoint and historicals, what do you need to, how, how many accounts do you need to sell into? And then what will you be able to, you know, realize from an opportunity perspective. So it, it, it's almost looking at your previous data and then bringing it back from working it back from there. Um, and it, it, this even goes back to whether you're going to leverage, you know, the growth ABM or the enterprise ABM style of approach. But even that revenue piece just being one aspect of your overall objective and goal uh, and then working working through your framework. I think the framework is probably the most important piece because you've got number of accounts, but it's also do we have the right accounts? Because you could have, you know, working off that, that how do we work back from a million dollars in pipeline you could have the wrong accounts and cover a hundred, or you could have the right accounts cover twenty-five and hit that goal. Uh, so building building your the right target account list and really working to identify those accounts that should be in your tier one, that is just as critical as overall coverage of of number. It's like, do we have the accounts that will make the greatest impact? Exactly, and I believe you need. Uh, it's uh, it's it's really essential to have this historical data because what you need to understand is, first of all, when it comes to different tiers, right? And this is what we call by account segmentation in Ideal Customer Profile. Uh, when it comes to different tiers, how many buying committee members you need to engage, right? Because if it's tier one, in some cases you need to engage ten people right? Maybe even more. If it's tier two, it could be five, six people, right? If it's tier three, it could be two, three 
people. So you, because ultimately we are silent to people, we are not silent to organizations, right? And then if uh, we are going to select these different accounts, we need to also consider a few things. What is our win rate, uh, win rate sorry, among these different motions? How many tier three accounts we are usually closing successfully? Tier two, tier one. And what is our average contract value? And what is our sales cycle length, right? That would give you a better definition. Okay, you can go all in with, let's say you can plan, I would add 25 tier one accounts. Our win rate is, let's say, um, or let's simplify it, 20 accounts. Our win rate is 50%. So we'll successfully win 10 accounts, right? And our ACV is 100K. So that way we expect to generate 1 million in revenue. But what if our sales cycle length is 18 months? Now we're now we're going behind the goal, right? For sure. And I would I would even make the argument that if you, these accounts are in tier one, your sales cycle, the the win rate and the velocity should be faster than let's say your demand gen or definitely your other tiers because you're putting more of a focus from your overall go-to-market and you're also putting more resources into these accounts as well. And now that leads us to the next question, right? So you see guys, I just wanted to highlight uh, this uh, important criteria that you need to consider when you are planning the program. Why? Because the worst thing you can do is uh, apply to approaches as a plan one of the two approaches the first one is volume based when you just get you know a budget and then you get a wish list from sales thousands of accounts and then what are you supposed to do just trying and programmatic display ads or doing you know like a lazy substitution for a proper demand generation program and uh, usually it's turns out to be a lead generation ABM. It's not it's like a lead generation, let's say part of, of account-based marketing, but not the real account-based marketing. Or the second one is budget-based, right? So you get like, um, you get your budget, then you get, you allocate a certain percentage for account-based marketing, and then you start thinking, okay, what I'm going to do with this. So that's why we highlighted this criteria. Now the most important part is, do you have a pilot team? If that pilot team, there are two things to, to consider. I believe the first one is making sure that pilot team can allocate enough time to run a, a pilot account-based marketing program, right? If the team can allocate only 10% of their time, it would be rather a distraction than an appropriate execution because it's a new motion. It's a kind of hard motion. But if you want to land this, you know, six-figure deals, I mean, that's that's the only way. So you need to, to realize and accept this. Now, the second, the second thing that you need to consider that for that pilot team, you need to adjust their KPIs or, or, or KRs, whatever you are having in your organization to make sure that you avoid controversial KPIs. Simple example from one of the companies that we started to work uh, with this year. So one sales rep who became a part of pilot ABM team, he was supposed to do specific meaningful engagements uh, according to the playbook that we have developed with a set of tier one and tier two accounts. 
at the same time, which we didn't know in the beginning, this guy had completely different KPIs and it was all about dials, cold emails, cold messages, etc. Now, three weeks later, he was doing, he was hitting the leading indicators and there were, there were like small wins that we wanted to achieve with these accounts. But at the same time, he got problems with his boss saying, hey, you are missing your, you know, your core KPIs. And then the guy was, okay, so then what I supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do, right? Because he has controversial KPIs. So these are the things, again, uh, you need to keep in mind when planning it and you need to fix it. So appropriate time allocation and adjusting KPIs. And this team aspect is critical. When, when you're in your planning phase, your cross-functional ecosystem will sink or swim your program. So even right now, it's how do we set up workshops with your product team, your content team, rev ops, marketing ops, whatever they're called, your analytics, your BI team, even demand gen. And looking at, to your point, Andre, what is their capacity for next year? How much of their resources will they be able to delegate to your ABM program? What are they looking at in terms of KPIs and in terms of a tactical plan for 2024? And how does that all integrate with ABM? And how how does that, you know, how will they be able to support and partner for your specific program? So your cross-functional ecosystem from an internal marketing and then also across sales and customer success is so critical in these initial planning phases. And I believe next, when you start planning, let's say you nail down these things, right? So you nail down the um, call decomposition, you define the team, you adjusted KPIs. There would be a few fundamentals, right? Ideal customer profile, there should be mutual agreement. And I would come back to that diagram uh, where we'll present the ICP pillars. But now uh, one more thing that you need to keep in mind that would be a budgeting part. And probably you might need to prepare for a cost, right? Which could be a real issue for a lot of marketers. So I would share one more diagram just to show you how that might look like. Just a second. And uh, we can quickly cover it and then come back to the ABM strategy. So here we go. Uh, how can we budget and forecast account-based marketing, right? As I mentioned, first of all, you need to have, uh, you need to understand the uh, historical growth and these different uh, revenue metrics across three tiers. Uh, that obviously requires you to do appropriate market segmentation because then you need to select the right segment or maybe a few similar segments that could be merged into one cluster and develop ideal customer profile for these segments. Now, all customers, the next step would be key account analysis, right? So you can uh, see the patterns between your uh, top customers, right? That generate the highest revenue potential, then the medium revenue potential customers and the lowest revenue potential customers. Based on the average values, right? You can see the average values among these 
customers, you can evaluate what could be the revenue potential of the accounts that you would be adding to your programs, right? So let's say when you'll be planning the new logos, you need to have, uh, you, you, can, you can just expect, okay, if I will add these 20 accounts, tier one accounts, right? And the revenue potential is 500K, then my total account value would be 10 million, right? That would be a good benchmark to start with because then you can start uh, basically planning your account opportunity conversion. Maybe in the beginning, it would be really hard to do this, but the more you'll be doing ABM, the more metrics you'll have. And then this would be one of your core metrics, right? What would be my account to sales opportunity conversion so you can make more realistic forecasts. And then you can, based on this, you can adjust that planning with your, uh, again, with how many accounts you're going to add, right? with the total budget per tier, with the expected pipeline value, and more or less you can combine uh, this, this uh, let's say, dynamics between these different tiers, uh, figure out what could be your estimated pipeline, right, according to the sales cycle length, again, to the ACV and to the win rates and your total budget. So. That could be, again, if if you look at this holistically, what we are doing here, we are just flipping the funnel, right? And start from the goal decomposition account planning, and then uh, that account planning is aligned with our team's capacity, right? And obviously with, our, uh, with, our, with, the, with the budget, right, that we have, and you can see how, how can we how can it adjust this why i'm sharing this because it makes no sense to proceed to the playbooks planning right to this and by playbook i mean how uh how we're going to warm up and activate these accounts how we're going to generate opportunities with this account right it makes no sense to do that planning because you can orchestrate the best programs you can you know steal the best practices from any marketing vendor but if it's doesn't a lot if it's not aligned with your calculations right with your budget and with your team's capacity then you just do a monkey job it makes no sense right so make sure that the numbers are in place and then you can you can uh move to the uh to the uh actual program planning what do you add something i love i love this framework and the metrics i think one one piece that i would add on here and it's an exercise that I found incredibly valuable. It's look at your objective or your goal and whatever it is, whether it's from revenue or pipeline generation, your objective was rooted in the historical data. And then after, after you have your target as to what you want to go after, then think, think through from your cross-functional ecosystem and also from you know, your frameworks and what you have in your tactical toolkit, what do you need in order to hit that? If you were to put together a ideal go-to-market campaign or strategy, what are the different elements that you need? Craft that, see what the, the total cost would be based off of, you know, this dream scenario and then work backwards from that. And why why I say this methodology is because it'll really help you to think through 
what specifically you need and even look at historicals, right? Like let's say you're running, uh, you plan on doing ads or a direct mail campaign. How much did that historically cost? What is that going to be factored for, you know, your dream campaign scenario in order to hit that, that overall goal? And then what you're going to have at the end is you'll have a number for what you think you need in order to hit your goal. And that way you'll be able to eliminate, you know, wasted spend instead of having a budget number and then trying to fill all of these tactics and all of these different plays or strategies with that number. You'll actually have, you know, this is what we believe we need in order to hit it. And then you can, you can even, you know, most likely you'll have a scenario where you found, you know, you maybe you're over budget or maybe you're under budget, but you'll have a much clearer idea versus just taking budget and then throwing different things at it. And it will eliminate that, that wasted spend. Cool. Uh, let me know guys, again, don't hesitate to ask any questions, uh, in the chat. So we're absolutely happy to call everything that you're going to ask. There is also a Q&A block here in, uh, you can see it on the right side of your dashboard. So feel free to submit any questions there and we'll make sure to cover, cover them. Uh, that being said, I would love to quickly come back to our ABM strategy and then we can uh, cover the rest. So uh, we said uh, ideal customer profile, and I promised you to uh, share the most essential pillars, right? And when it comes to account-based marketing, obviously, in this case, we start thinking in terms of um, new logos revenue, right? Because for expansion, for pipeline acceleration, basically, the, uh, this uh, company should be already qualified and segmented properly, right? Uh, so the one thing I have already shared, it's uh, the market segmentation because you need to narrow down your focus, right? So first of all, it's usually vertical-based planning. In some cases, you can do uh, journey-based planning with one to few, but anyhow, you still need to nail down this ideal customer profile. And then when it comes to ICP, you have several pillars. First of all, the standard one, which everybody is aware of is pharmacographics and technographics, right? That's the easiest part. Next, we have the buying committee. And then imagine if you are selling to enterprise companies, right? Let's say company 20K employees, right? And if you'll just, if, if you'll try to figure out who are your right buyers, if you just end up with the definition and like CTO or director of IT, if you'll open that organization, you'll see that there could be a bunch of folks who actually fit that definition. They have different titles, right? They might be VP of IT, whoever, right? But they all could be your target buyers. And then you have different champions, you have different uh, influencers, you have different bloggers. Uh, so that's, that's why you need to kind of understand what are the typical roles in your buying committee and who are these people with whom you need to engage, right? Because that would be the basic for your playbook planning. Next, we have account segmentation. This is what we have covered multiple times today. Not all 
prospects who are created equal, right? So there are some companies and basically this is the essence of this tier segmentation. If one company can generate 50 times more revenue than the average client, right? Should we market and sell to these companies the same way? The answer is the obvious answer and the logical answer is no, right? But most companies do exactly the opposite, right? They define the same cost of acquisition target and they run the same playbooks to all the accounts. <laughs> Would you add something? Uh, no, totally. I, I'm just laughing because it's so true. And another piece as well, as you're going through this planning <clears throat> process and you're defining your ICP, you're defining you know, your target personas as well. When you're crafting your messaging, go review some previous sales calls. If you have a gong, start listening to those. See if you can get on maybe a couple customer calls as well. One gap within the planning process and within ABM overall that I think is a really missed opportunity is having these conversations or listening to the insights from your prospects and your customers. So go chat with your salespeople, see if you can partner to get on a couple customer calls. Gong is a great place to start uh, and really lean into what your customers and your prospects are saying and what you're hearing from the field because that's going to make your messaging resonate 10x. Exactly. So account segmentation, thermographics, technographics, then we have the buying committee. And when it comes to buying committee, you don't need only to know these roles, but you also need to know the typical journey scenarios, right? What triggers the journeys and you need to understand the jobs to be done because ultimately that would be the essence of our personalization, right? We'll be doing the account research and then we'll need to have our let's say value proposition mapping with the typical journeys and with typical jobs to be done, right? That's, that's, that's essential. And the last part of the last pillar is account qualification and disqualification criteria. I see this kind of the most common uh, mistake and this is the number one ignored thing when it comes to selecting accounts for your ABM programs. Companies do create the account list based on the thermographics and technographics. Let's say we want to sell to the banks in the North America, right? And maybe you do the tier segmentation, but imagine that, uh, let me give you maybe a specific example. There are, there are some banks that uh, simply can't purchase your product uh, simply can't leverage your product because of the legacy software. Right, so simply they won't be able to integrate your product, but they fit your technographics and thermographics, right? Now the point is, should you include this accounts to your campaign or should you disqualify this account? Again, the answer is obvious, right? But not so many companies dive deeply and figure out this qualification criteria, what makes account a good fit and what makes account a bad fit even if they fit other criteria. Another great one is your sales partner. Do you have a, a AE who is bought in to ABM? Are they actually going to be partnering with you, looping you in within <clears throat> key timely insights on their accounts, 
bringing you into the account account planning process? Are they going to activate on some of your, you know, overall ABM go-to-market tactics in a timely fashion? If the answer is no, and there's a lot of friction from their side, that's another great disqualifying factor in terms of do you have the right partner from the sales side to actually build an effective ABM campaign within their accounts. And I actually realized that it's already 45 minutes we are chatting <laughs> and we have so much, so many things to cover. So maybe just to kind of uh, <clears throat> wrap it up before we'll wrap it up, feel free guys to, to drop your questions in Q&A block so we can cover, first of all, we can cover your questions. And I would love also to cover the questions that came from our community, just to make sure that uh, everybody uh, everybody's questions uh, will be covered. And then we can, can come back to the uh, last part to new revenue planning. So let's see what we have. Um, uh, boom, boom, boom. Just a second, I would stop sharing and I would share this question. We have a question from Emily, projected pipeline for ABM programs. How would you uh, get performance if you don't have control over sales delivery, relying on client sales teams to deliver the numbers if you're an agency pitching to handle ABM on their behalf? Would you measure on this as an objective and expectation set or focus on other deliverables within your control? I mean, if you are an agency, you can focus only on the things that are under your control. And that should be the essence of your agreement. You need to define leading indicators that, and leading indicators are the things that are under your control, right? These are the actions that your team can take. These actions obviously should lead to some meaningful outcomes. We do these uh, activities not just you know to tick the boxes, but to, to generate some meaningful results, right? We do this to get some outcomes. And then obviously, if you can't do the work, if you can't do the work uh, instead of client, then you need to agree that at this point, uh, your let's say your job stops but that's why uh i mean i might be a little bit biased here i might be wrong but that's why i don't believe that you can fully outsource account-based marketing it's you can do done with your programs when you uh, let's say joint execution right when you join a client's team and you implement account-based marketing programs together right but full outsourcing this it's kind of mission impossible. Noticing this. Uh, yeah, this is a challenging one. Uh, to your point, like when you're full on outsourcing, you are acting as the ABM practitioner. So all of the different, all of the different pieces that aren't in your control, you're responsible for. It's not, it's not delivery based in terms of, you know, oh, here is a asset set or here's a campaign plan, or we will help to build your ABM dashboard. It's like, you know, you are the partner of the go-to-market team, not only creating what the objective is going to be, but you have to rally all of the different, all of the different stakeholders and all of the different teams to actually execute upon the plan as well. Um, so yeah, you're you're in the full ABM practitioner seat, being in in this type of you know complete outsource 
motion? Uh, we have a few more questions from our community. So I would uh, come back to uh, our diagram. Uh, there was a question from uh, Emily. Uh, Emily McKinley, getting in front of the right audience seems to be a challenge. And uh, there is kind of, I, I think there is a root reason for this specific challenge is not really knowing your ideal customer profile and how do they buy, right? So I would start with these fundamentals. Start with, first of all, uh, defining a specific market segment, market and then market segment if you are selling globally, right? For your pilot account-based uh, program. Next, do the key account analysis, structure all the accounts, and then you can apply different parameters to get a holistic overview of your clientele, right? Uh, revenue, uh, ACV, sales cycle length, because the key point is not only identifying the companies with the highest revenue, right? But also the deals that you were able to close really fast. Because if you, let's say, if your biggest clients it took you to like it took you two years to generate that biggest deal, then probably that won't be a best candidate, the best candidate for you know for your analysis. That's why you need to have this holistic overview, right? And then the my best suggestion would be defining this tier one, tier two existing clients and run the customer research talk with them and this is what we uh this is the episode that we hosted with Vladimir two weeks ago so if you want you can um check out full funnel live page on Spotify YouTube iTunes whatever you prefer and you'll see that episode so we were talking about the customer research and how to run it and how to the most important part how to inject insights from that customer research into your uh abm strategy uh you need to interview them you need to understand what triggers their buyer journey what channels do, do they use for it for professional education for vendor evaluation for the for the research and that that would be the answer to a question because sometimes if you are selling to conservative markets sometimes the only one way to target these people would be through communities or specific niche associations. This is what we were discussing last week with Chili Piper. So you can see again the, the recording and the examples that I was sharing, right? Maybe uh, these people are not active on social, right? And all your social ads would be absolute waste of time and budget. So customer research would be answered to your question. And uh you need to start from that point. Would you add something? Chat with your prospects, chat with your customers, have as many calls as you possibly can, listen to first sales calls uh, and do some win-loss analysis. I mean, that is that is probably going to be the answer to all of your challenge right there to, to your point, Andre. Uh, there is an interesting question about account scoring. And I think I might be kind of, I might not reply with what people think uh, about when it comes to account scoring, because unfortunately that definition is, again, in marketing space, it's broken. A lot of people think that account scoring is kind of the score that Marketo HubSpot provides, and it's all based on the, you know, open emails that were opened and clicked, <laughs> link clicked in these emails and, 
that's that's literally it but in essence uh, accounts current is an exercise to prioritize your accounts because again if you have small team you have limited resources right and then even you defined you did all the prop uh, the proper planning that we were discussing today but then still you have a lot of accounts and let's say one sales rep tells you i i want to target these accounts you identified another accounts that might be also kind of looks uh very promising so what would be the approach here and uh for this specific reason we do uh kind of different version of this account scoring i would just share with you in a second and it is based on a few parameters just uh so when it comes to the modern account scoring there are a few things that you need to consider i would just mention uh the pillars right obviously you need to put the criteria here uh, that fit your business and score this course themselves they're really optional so it's just for you to prioritize and define what accounts you want to select so we'll look at few things uh, first of all to what tier a specific account belongs next any engagement or intent data that is available to us right maybe these people were signing up for your webinars or for the field events right maybe they were visiting high intent pages on your website right maybe they are engaging with your content on linkedin maybe you met and talked to them on a specific industry uh event right so there could be multiple things and you just you know you just calculate the scores why we are doing this because first of all these accounts are already aware of our company of our product right so that's it's not a cold layer if if you will next there are a few more parameters that we need to consider product need right and product need you can discover only through the account research and conversations with these folks then uh we do the next scoring if there is a clear need or sorry if there is a clear challenge that our product solves obviously we give more scores to that account right uh, then we can uh do the account research but the challenge is not obvious or maybe that could be another case uh, there is no obvious challenge that we can identify but that account fits our acp and qualification criteria then we look at, at a few more parameters relationship do we have good connection inside target account maybe let's say uh cto of existing clients joined that account and we have a really good relationship with that person right so that could be a great entry point we prioritize this maybe we already met with these people and agreed to follow up maybe we have good common connections that, that can make an intro right so that's uh relationship pillar is important and lastly different business triggers and when it comes to business triggers these are all the things that could be an evidence that that account might be a good fit uh, these are the examples don't just uh please don't take these examples as a rule of thumb right don't take them as defaults so this triggers could be you know money raised hiring for specific positions uh maybe this is the re-engaged account maybe recent leadership change etc right all the evidences that could tell you that this account is a good fit so that way if you and uh, also my recommendation don't do it alone involve sales and discuss with them what are the parameters they would consider 
right? That would help them to prioritize the accounts. You need to have an alignment here. You need to do this joint calculation, and then it would be way easier to prioritize the accounts that you want to include. Totally. And even, even on the account scoring or what a lot of a lot of the martech vendors call like the mqa process the marketing qualified account where where i see a lot of these programs uh, almost missing is the second layer so you've got you know the overall account engagement which is your mqa or your scoring but the next layer is actually going out throughout the sales process identifying and tagging the contacts who are in the buying group and engagement as well the uh, the way that that we define it is it's you know in the past 90 days has a contact had a marketing sales or customer success meaningful interaction and so that goes into this whole MQA score as well it's not just looking at a marketing touch but also how have they interacted in a meaningful capacity with sales and customer success and then when you have both that MQA or that overall account engagement score or view and also loop in a score or view to the buying group that's where it gets really powerful because then it's not only from the overall account level are they engaging with us or are they qualified and prioritized but then for the people that truly matter and are the right people and will progress this deal ultimately to the close one do we have them identified two do we have them tagged within our crm and then three what does their engagement look like how many of them are engaged do we have the right people even within that buying group ensuring that they're uh, they're engaged in a meaningful capacity but then also what are they engaging with so not only looking at it from that complete overall account view in terms of what our contacts engaging with but really focusing in on that buying group as well and seeing seeing what their journey looks like in terms of engagement across marketing sales and customer success to get that holistic view and we have a few more questions not a few more we have actually a lot of questions but some of them we have at least partially covered so i would pick up two questions uh one is coming from or moshkovitz what kpis abx teams should be measured on and how you set on this kpis based on the different stages uh and then the second question from mateos kolodzejski what frameworks to use to plan account-based marketing campaigns in 24 specifically how to design the messaging that will resonate with the target accounts and please don't tell me to use <laughs> fluffy approaches that are available on google so let's cover <laughs> let's cover let's cover these two points so uh first of all um the kpis obviously uh we have already mentioned that there are four motions in abm right net new then expansion then renewal and then the pipeline acceleration you can't measure these motions the same way right obviously metrics would be completely different so on this diagram you see the uh target metrics for the net new uh campaign 
And then uh, these are the core metrics. Obviously, you, if you want, you can change it. It's, I mean, it's up to you. But generally speaking, what is really important to understand, how many engaged accounts do we have? And engaged accounts, these are the accounts that are replying to you and are in, let's say, are in, engaging with your warm-up playbook, right? That's, that's really essential. Account penetration with how many people with how many buying committee members we were able to establish contact and to chat, right? So they actually replying to your messages. You have, uh, you have an ongoing conversation. Next number of discovery calls, and you see that I'm separating discovery calls from sales qualified opportunities because sometimes from the discovery call you can just figure out that this account doesn't have the immediate need right now and it's not a sales opportunity so i highly recommend you to have a really good pipeline you need to separate these two metrics right sales qualified opportunity is the account that is qualified and that declared uh, by an intent right they say okay we have the budget we are interested we want to move forward we need to kind of get this and that information from you to consider it on our end, but they declared the buying intent. And why it's essential to know this, because then you'll be able to define this account to sales qualified opportunity ratio, right? And then you'll be able to make better forecasting and better planning. ACV, win rate, revenue, these are obviously the revenue metrics. And if you do if you uh if you don't have let's say a fully operationalized ABM motion if you still run let's say time-based campaigns with a specific timeline and specific goals in that case and like specific budget right then you can measure ROI of these campaigns with expansion and pipeline acceleration uh playbooks these KPIs would be uh really they would depend on the playbook that you are going to run. But just to give you an idea, let's say if your expansion playbook, I would give you a tip like one of the uh, one of the examples, right? Let's say you want to do the one-on-one uh, -on -one debriefings, then creating the case studies, and then you want to do the uh, workshops for the other departments or other groups inside that specific account. So in that case, obviously your KPIs would be the number of debriefing calls, the number of case studies created, the number of workshops uh, hosted, and then obviously uh, expansion opportunities, expansion value and expansion revenue, right? This would be, this would be the metrics. Uh, I firmly believe that KPIs should be aligned with the program goal, right? They they simply should stimulate the team to do the right actions to achieve these goals. And probably as simple as that. What would you add, David? Uh, I love the number of engaged accounts. Be careful with what your model looks like. For example, uh, if you have ad impressions from your ABM platform or whatever you're, you know, using to measure, in a, a LinkedIn ad impression is not a meaningful enough interaction. So make sure that you audit your model and and ensure that everything that would consider or create a scenario where account is engaged is meaningful, uh, and then definitely would would encourage taking that again, this, the next level further 
to the buying group, not only looking at number of contacts engaged within an account overall within that account penetration, but also do you have the buying group mapped? And if so, what is the percentage of overall contacts who are engaged within that? Um, another great piece is velocity. You're you know, looking at overall time to close from beginning to end. Is your tier one or is your ABM versus demand gen faster? Because it should be given the heightened resources and, and levels of personalization that you're treating these accounts with. And then also sales cycle progression as well. Are you moving accounts faster through the sales cycle for your ABM? Whether it's, again, that tiered or it's just ABM versus demand gen, are they moving faster throughout uh, the different stages within your process? And I know we didn't cover specific playbooks uh, in that uh, in that episode because it took took <laughs> literally two three more episodes <laughs> just just to present what could be the playbooks for different for different motions. But the goal was to explain to explain the fundamentals right and the process for you because if you'll make a mistake in the beginning, then all the beautifully crafted playbooks or tactics right they simply won't work. It's just I know that just believe me that 80% of success of your ABM program is in your fundamental analysis and planning, right? And these tactics, they are just like the kind of the last missing uh, piece of the puzzle, but they are not the puzzle itself. Um, I would love to cover the last question, and it was about the personalization. Again, coming back to the fundamentals, that's why we discussed the tier segmentation and how many accounts you can include uh, according to your capacity and how many accounts you need to include from different tiers based on this goal decomposition. Now, according to your team's capacity, you need to answer the question, how deeply are we going to personalize our campaigns? Because again, by default in ABM, in ideal ABM world, we do one-on-one, uh, -on -one, like basically full personalization for tier one accounts for companies with the highest revenue potential, right? Then we do job role and vertical-based personalization, personalization for tier two accounts. And then for tier three, um, my, Theory again, my philosophy. I'm not saying that it's just the mantra that you necessarily need to follow, but my philosophy that tier tier three account based marketing is a kind of lazy excuse for not doing appropriate demand generation because these companies should be coming from from your demand gen programs. This should be in most cases. This should be. Uh, inbound opportunities and opportunities that come in maybe with light touches from sales people, right? From the social engagement, from the different events that you're generating. But the real ABM is done for tier one, tier two accounts. Now, uh, to give you an, an idea, because your question was uh, about uh, the uh, how how to personalize personalize the message. So. Mm -hmm. 
I would quickly uh, share this framework and Davis, feel free to, to comment, share your ideas. Uh, the personalization, as we said, right? We need, you need to run the customer research and you need to identify these different buying committee members and their jobs to be done. So first of all, you need to create your skeleton, right? You need to define, okay, these are typical roles and these are typical jobs to be done. They're KPIs, they're typical challenges. And this is how my product Fits, fixes these challenges and delivers value to these people, right? Because then it would be way easier to do the personalization on the account level and on the buying committee level. How are we going to do this personalization? We need to run this account research and this account research uh, usually includes several pillars. Uh, public roadmaps if you are selling to technical companies, right? They could do announcements about the things that they are going to deliver public press releases, key initiatives shared by their team, earning calls and corporate statements if you are selling to corporates, interviews with stakeholders, et cetera. So basically any publicly available information could give you insights about the key initiatives that you can use on the account level. Now, the goal is to leverage these insights, right? And see how what would be the role of each of the buying committee members in these specific initiatives, right? Uh, their roles and responsibilities, their goals, KPIs, uh, challenges, etc. And based on this, based on this collected insights and your skeleton, you start creating a fully personalized offer, right? That you can then distribute through multiple ways. I don't personally, I don't believe in a linear, let's say, distribution way. Hey, let's do just direct mail or hey, let's run this personalized ads. So the more distribution channels you'll be using, the more touch points you'll be using to actually distribute that personalized offer to the buying committee members, the better outcomes will be. So that would be the, the answer. Uh, we usually we usually use this framework and just literally step-by-step step create these personalized uh, messages for tier one, tier two programs. The account research to your point is absolutely crucial. Uh, in distribution, again, when it comes to almost examples of how you can personalize, you could either take something that you have existing and tweak it, personalize it for a specific account. Let's say, let's say demand gen, just ran a campaign that was close to what your ABM value prop is, you could take asset or a few assets from that, leverage the account research and tailor the messaging so that it specifically resonates with an initiative going on in that account and speaks directly to their pain points. Um, or you could create something net new that is hyper-personalized, this would be for like a enterprise ABM motion where you're running that pure one-to-one -one play where the whole entire campaign is specific for one account. That's when it would make sense in, in, to be able to justify building something that is net new specific for one account and then leveraging some of the technology as well. Uh, to help scale some of this personalization can be huge, whether it's custom landing pages or, uh, you know, other different types of assets. Tech is a great way to do this uh, if you have a, a framework where it makes sense. Cool. I know that uh, there are way more questions, but we tried to cover them 
at least partially and we already <laughs> behind the time that we allocated for this podcast episode so first of all thank you so much guys for coming for asking this really great questions as they help us to structure this episode properly so hope you learn something new you'll be able to leverage these insights and uh, do a proper planning for your account-based marketing strategy and have a successful uh, 2024. David, thanks a lot for co-hosting this episode with me. Thanks so much for having me, Andre. Cool. Thank you so much, guys, again. And uh, see you in one week. Stay tuned and have a great rest of the week. Cheers. Take care. See you, everybody.